So, all week, I played this astronaut. Not that particular one. We joked about him being my friend that was talked about in the skit. But my particular guy that I played had a hankering for Twinkies. Had a hankering for Twinkies, and then I had all these extra Twinkies left over at the end. And today we're talking about friendship, and so I want to make a few friends, and I want to pay you with some Twinkies. So if there's anybody who really, really wants one this morning, I need you to raise your hand so I can see if I can get it back there. So. Oh, and one more. Oh, at least there's a Twinkie. I'm sorry about that. I had thought about that ahead of time. It's not like I was throwing baseballs out there, okay? So it sounded worse than it actually felt. <laughs> um, anyway, but who, why wouldn't you want to be a friend of someone who's giving you Twinkies? But we're talking about friendship today. You know, my mind goes to the lyrics of the song, you've got a friend in me. You've got troubles, and I've got them too. There isn't anything you would, I wouldn't do for you. We stick together and we see it through because you've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. So we've got Woody and Buzz, SpongeBob and Patrick, Yogi and Boo Boo, Rocky and Bullwinkle, all kinds of pairs. And I think that within all of us, we want a friend like that. Do you have a friend like that? A friend who's willing to go through thick and thin with you, a friend who you can go through the highs and the lows of life with, a friend that you could stay up till 3 a.m. watching dumb movies and eating Twinkies with. Do you have a friend like that? A friend that you can laugh at yourself with. A friend who you can truly trust. Within all of us, I think there is a hole waiting to be filled by a friend. We all have a friend hole. And this is not just something that we're just talking about because it's in Scripture, but the culture realizes that there's an issue. Just last month, the Surgeon General, the same guy who gets to publish his literature on the side of a cigarette box, that's not where I would publish mine, but that's where he's chose to do his. So all that being said, this is what the Surgeon General said. Our epidemic of loneliness and isolation has been under an underappreciated public health crisis that has harmed individual and societal health. Our relationships are a source of healing and well-being hiding in plain sight, one that can help us to live healthier, more fulfilled, and more productive lives. We must prioritize building social connection the same way we have prioritized other critical public health issues such as tobacco, obesity, and substance use disorders. And if that isn't enough, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services have released these statistics. The physical health consequences of poor or insufficient connection include a 29% increased risk of heart disease, a 32% increased risk of stroke, 
and a 50% increased risk of developing dementia for older adults. Additionally, lacking social connection increases risk of premature death by more than 60%. And so you could quite literally say, not having a friend could be the death of you. Do you have a friend? Is there a hole inside of you that wants to be filled with a friend? I think there is. Why can't we just do life alone? Wouldn't it be easier? We want to not have to deal, want to not have to deal with the consequences or the, the rough parts of relationships, but we want to enjoy the positive parts. Why can't we just be like the guy who lives in the woods and doesn't need anybody? Life would be easier if I didn't have to deal with other people's drama. If I didn't have to listen to my friend's next story about how Monica at work upset them. It'd be nice if we didn't have to deal with other people's drama. But there the friend hole still is. And so where did it come from? I want to tell you that story. And so we're going to jump into Genesis here. We're not going to stay here, but this is the origin story of where the friend hole came into being. And so the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, the book of beginnings, tells the story of creation. And so God creates land and sea. God creates night and day. God creates fish and animals. God creates humans. And he calls it all good. But then we get to one part in the story where all of a sudden God says, this is not good. And, you know, I was thinking about it. It's like, you know, the whole advantage of writing history from your perspective is so you can make yourself look better. And so why would God make himself look bad right here? It's like, oh, okay, this thing that I did wasn't so good. No, 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 I don't think it's that necessarily as much as he wants to draw our attention because he kept saying good, 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 and then he says this is not good. Because if he didn't put this in here, then I don't think we would see the emphasis that he wanted to make on it. And so in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who's just right for him. And as much as this passage talks about and, and shows us the value of the male-female relationship. I think underneath that, the foundational thing is that it is not good for man to be alone. And the interesting thing is, right? So God is implicitly saying that he has made Adam to need more than God. It's odd to think about. God could have made Adam to be totally self-sufficient, to be fully fulfilled by God. But he says it's not good for man to be alone. God could have made Adam to not need no man or no woman. But he doesn't. He puts this friend hole within him. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not 
good for there to only be one human. And so God creates us with a need to know both him in relationship and other humans. It's the same reason why we get to the New Testament and Jesus says, hey, let me sum up the Old Testament for you. Love God and love your neighbor. Loving God being the most important principle, but nonetheless, loving your neighbor still being there and necessary for a fully fulfilled life. Love God and love your neighbor. Have relationship with God and have relationship with those that are around you. And so, just like God said over Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. I think God is standing over each and every one of us saying, Jeff, it's not good for you to be alone. Don, it's not good for you to be alone. Cheryl, it's not good for you to be alone. It's not good. For you to be alone. God has made you with a need for it, and I believe he wants to fill it. He wants to fill that hole so you don't feel lonely, and I'm not just talking about relationship with him, but I truly believe he wants to bless you with fulfilling relationships with other people, because that is how he made us. And so I want to talk to you this morning about the story of Davy and Johnny. Davy and Johnny, David and Jonathan. A quintessential friendship in the Bible. And how Davy and Jonathan met is not exactly normal in, in my scheme of things, but we're going to get there. But David was the most celebrated king in Israel's history. But he started out as just this little shepherd boy. He was the youngest of his brothers, and he had this job that was just at the bottom rung of society, right? So he's an absolute nobody, but he's known as a man after God's own heart. And so God picks him to be the next king because God has already rejected his first picked king of Israel, Saul. And so he's picked David to take his place. And Saul just happens to have a son named Jonathan. And Jonathan was a good person to have in line to be the king after you. He was a man of valor, a man of battle. Could have been an easy pick afterward. Just skip Saul and get to Jonathan, but nope, we, we picked David. And so Samuel, the prophet of the nation, anoints David to be the king, and Saul's fate is sealed. But then there arises this conflict between the Israelites and the Philistines. And the Philistines have this mammoth behemoth of a man who I like to see, think is like a combination between John Cena, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and the heffalump from Winnie Pooh. Because he's able to make everyone evidently feel like a scared little piglet. Because no one wants to fight him. No one wants to fight him. Saul isn't going to fight him. Jonathan's not going to fight him. Nobody's going to fight the guy. And, except David, the little shepherd boy, the youngest kid. And so he goes up there with no armor and just a sling and a stone and defeats this guy. And so that's a whole sermon within itself. But nonetheless, we're getting forward in the story here. 
And immediately after the battle, David meets Saul and Jonathan. And <laughs> Jonathan kind of do, does what I just did with you, throwing Twinkies out. He gives David his armor, gives him his sword. Of course, who, why wouldn't you want to be friends with him? I mean, like you were just wearing Walmart brand clothing, and then he just gave you Gucci. He's, he's a prince, right? Why wouldn't you want to be his friend? So, nonetheless, it said that they were bonded together, that Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. So I want to read that exact verse to you today. Samuel, 1 Samuel, chapter 18, 1 through 4. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. And there was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. And from that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. And so what's important to notice here is the pact that they make, the promise that they make, the covenant that they make with each other. Because God makes a covenant with us, a pact with us, that he's always going to come through for us even if we can't come through for him. And in this moment, David and Jonathan are saying to each other, I am fully devoted to you, regardless of what is going to happen. And this is something that we don't see in our culture, right? Because my friendship hangs on whether or not you're going to betray me. My friendship hangs on whether or not you're really going to be able to keep pulling through and loving me, how much you can give me. But this was based on a pact, a promise, right from the beginning. And this was what really brought the depth to David and Jonathan's relationship. It was what made Jonathan stand between Saul and David because Saul was trying to kill David. He has to stand up to his dad in order to save his friend. It's this bond, it's this pact that after Jonathan dies, David is willing to take his crippled son into his house as his own. So not only does he take in the rejected king's grandson, but he takes in the crippled, rejected king's grandson. A double reject, but his love for David was bigger than that. It's a pact that makes David say this after Jonathan passes away. In 2 Samuel 1.26, David says, How I weep for you, my brother Jonathan. How much I loved you. And your love for me was deep. Deeper than the love of women. And this verse gets a lot of flack for obvious reasons. But there's nothing romantic here. There's nothing sexual implied here. Because they could have used a completely different word to just be plain as day with that. It's describing their devotion to one another. And the funny thing is, is it's, it's a hit at Jonathan's sister because David was married to Jonathan's sister, to Saul's daughter. 
And so he's saying that my relationship with my brother-in-law, the devotion that I felt with my brother-in-law was deeper than what I felt with my wife. The commitment, the coming through for one another, it's something I've never known or experienced with someone else in this life. That was the depth of David and Jonathan's relationship because of this pact. And they had a deep friendship because of it. And so which makes me want to talk about shallow friends, okay? Because shallow friends, I mean, we all have them, and we're all going to have them. You can't have deep relationships with everybody. And, but these are not people you would call when you need to get picked up from the airport, not someone you could rely on. These are not people you would call in the middle of the night to watch your kids if you had an emergency. These are not people that you would want to go on vacation with. Okay? The shallow friends, I mean, like, maybe they'll bring it up and you'll try to think of an excuse, like, yeah, because they think you're a deep friend, but you're like, no, not really. You know? So um, let's just be honest. We all have them. We all have them. These are not people that know your biggest dreams and your biggest nightmares. These are not people that know the best things about you and the worst things about you. That is a deep friendship. And that is what David and Jonathan had. And so I kind of want to describe more in depth exactly what David and Jonathan's friendship was like. One is that they always had each other's backs. They always had each other's backs. Because of that pact, they were always going to be there for one another, no matter the cost, even after one of them passed away. They were still going to keep coming through for the other person. They even said to one another at one point, the Lord shall be between me and you and between my offspring and your offspring forever. We're always going to have each other's backs. We're going to train our kids to have each other's backs. We'll always have each other's backs. And second, there was no jealousy. Or if there was, they got rid of it really quick. Because what you have to realize is Jonathan was supposed to be the next king. Jonathan could have teamed up with his dad to kill David. And it would have been the perfect plot because David trusted Jonathan. But in this deep friendship, Jonathan is able to accept the Lord's will, even if it's not what he thought it was going to be. He's able to be happy for his friend, even if it means his friend is getting what he always thought he would get. He's able to be happy that his friend is fulfilling his call that he's received from the Lord, even if there's a temptation to be jealous. There's no jealousy between them. Third, they were transparent with one another. They did not hide things from one another. So I think of this particular interaction when Jonathan, once again, is trying to mediate between David and and Saul to figure everything out. And they realize it's just going to keep happening. Saul's going to keep trying to go after David. It seems hopeless. And so they kiss one another. They weep together, which again, at that time, 
The kissing was not communicable with something romantic. Think about it, they hugged. Think of it from that perspective. They showed their true emotions with each other. And there were some of the manliest men in the Bible. They were transparent with each other. Fourth, love went both ways, but was not dependent on the other. Love went both ways, but was not dependent on the other. Of course, one of the benefits of friendship is what the other person brings to the table for you. But that's a blessing within itself. If you're truly devoted, if you have the love of God within you, then you will love the other person regardless of the fact if they will ever do anything for you. Of course, if you picked a good friend, then they will return the favor. But nonetheless, love went both ways, but was not dependent on the other. Because David continued to love Jonathan even when Jonathan could no longer give him anything. When he took his son into his house after he died. Love was not dependent on the other. It was not transactional. Love went both ways. And so if God is standing over you today and you hear that voice saying, it is not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. What do you need to do about it? What do you need to do to get a relationship like David and Jonathan had where you have each other's backs, where love is always there, but it's not transactional. It goes both ways. Where you can be fully transparent, where you can actually be happy when the other person gets something that you've always wanted. There's no jealousy between you. Step one is, I think you need to pray and go. Pray and go. The father does not withhold good gifts from his children, but he is waiting for you to ask. And I do think that it is within the will of God for you to have a fulfilling human relationship. And I'm talking human relationship in general. I'm not saying your spouse. Though it could be in that category. I'm talking broader than that. The Lord wants you to have a fulfilling friendship. I do think that's what is within his will. And so ask him for it. If you don't have it, ask him to give it to you. But don't just sit there. Go looking for it. Because a lot of people, especially in this, the friendship sort of things, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to ask the Lord for a friend, but I'm still going to sit here in my loneliness, waiting for a friend to knock on my door. How's that going to help anything? The Lord wants to make you not lonely, and he very well may send someone to you. But why wait? Why not go looking for the person? Pray and go. And second, you got to be a good friend. What right do you have to ask for a good friend if you're not going to be a good friend? Because, I mean, I'm reading between the lines here. But my guess is, is that David and Jonathan were already the sorts of people that would be good friends before they met. It's not like they met and then magically they were just totally selfless. I think they were selfless people before that. Right? And so if you really want the Lord to bless you with a good friend, then you need to be ready to be a good friend to that person. And so I think it's a t towing the line between these two different kinds of friends. 
First is the parasite friend. The parasite friend. Because this person just latches on and takes and takes and takes and takes and takes and they never give anything. They're just in the relationship for what they can get out of you. You can think of people like that. You've had them in your life. The parasite friend. No one wants them. Just like leeches. Get them off. And on the flip side, because you don't want to be that person, so you need to have some humility to look at yourself. When's the last time I gave someone something to my friends? On the flip side, don't be a damn friend. A dam opens and closes when it pleases. And so they'll open the floodgates to pour out all the blessings on you, but then the minute that you try to bless them, they close up. You're not going to bless me. There's no way I'm going to let you love me. I'll keep pouring out for you, but you don't need to do anything for me. I'm fine. I need you to catch something because these people don't get called out as much because it seems some kind of like chivalry to, to refuse people blessing you. And think about this. God needs nothing from you. And yet he invites you to give things to him. Not because he needs it. And with the snap of his fingers, he could make something infinitely more great than anything you could ever give him. But yet he wants you to have that relationship with him. To, for you to do things for him. But that means he has to be willing to receive. Do you think you're better than the Lord? Receive from your friends. Let your friends come through for you. You don't have to do everything all the time. If they want to love you, give them the blessing of loving you. Let them love you. So don't be a parasite. Don't be a damn. And then finally, you've got to become a friend of Jesus. You've got to become a friend of Jesus. Because again, I, I think that David and Jonathan were we're already the sort of people who would be good friends before they met. And ultimately, I think that's because they love the Lord. And from the very beginning, the Lord has sought to be our friend. He walks in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. He becomes a friend of Abraham. He talks face-to-face -face with Moses as he does with a friend. And then we turn the pages to the New Testament and God becomes a man and says, I call you my friends. And the greatest love imaginable is for a person to lay down his life for his friends. And he does just that. David and Jonathan were good friends because they learned from the example of God himself. They emulated him. They learned from the best. It's like God said, you guys don't know how to be good friends, so let me show you how it's done. Without the example of Jesus Christ, you can't become the best friend you could ever be. And your friend couldn't become the best friend they could ever be. Your friendship won't reach its full potential. And so if either person in a friendship doesn't know the Lord, then it's not going to reach what it could be. 
Because before you should ever be filled with another human being's relationship with you, the Lord always meant for us to have a relationship with him. He made us to need both, but he is the primary. He is the end-all, be-all. He is the source of all of it. He is the beginning. He is the end. And so if you want to have the fullest friendship imaginable, it can't just be two people devoted to each other. It has to be two people devoted to the Lord and then devoted to each other. And here's the other thing is that you might leave this place and say, okay, well, it's the Lord's will for me to have a friendship with another human being, but it's, it's not like I'm just going to walk out of these doors and meet somebody. I mean, I believe the Lord can make that possible, but yes, I agree. It's likely it might take a minute. But the Lord is offering his friendship to you right now. It's always available in the midst of our loneliness. He does want us to have human friendships, human relationships, but he's always reaching out his hand and saying, I'll be your friend. And I'll show you how the best friend in your life can be. I'll lay down my life for you. I'll love you despite your faults. I'll love you regardless of what you can give me. I want to show you you're not alone. And so as we go into a time of prayer this morning, with every head bowed and all eyes closed, I just want to offer two different ways I could pray for you this morning. And so if you're in the first group of people and you're saying to yourself, I really need a deep friend. I don't have that. I'm surrounded by shallow friends. I want another human being that I can be fully devoted to, that can fully know me and I can fully know them. If that's you this morning, I just want you to raise your hand. I need that sort of friendship in my life. See those hands. And now, you could be in both groups, honestly, but if you've never known Jesus Christ as your friend, the ultimate example of friendship, the one who's always there for you, but something is stirring within your heart and you want this friend hole to be filled, he's the biggest, he's the first step. If that's you and you want to accept Jesus Christ as your friend for the first time today, I want you to raise your hand. All right. Lord, thank you for the gift of friendship that we find in you and we find in each other. Lord, I just ask that today you would bless us with relationships that are beyond what we could ever imagine. For those of those people in this room who, who feel like they only have shallow friends, Lord, would you bless them? Would you guide them to a relationship that would fill them, that would enable them to truly love their neighbor? And would you pour out your grace in their life so that they could be transformed into your likeness, 
so that they can be the best friend that they could ever be. So they could be fully devoted to somebody and love them regardless of their faults, regardless of what they could ever give them. And Lord, I pray for those in the room who might think, I need to have Jesus as the friend of my heart. Lord, whether it's the first time or not, I ask that you would help us all to come to know you more as our friend. Because we learn what it is to be a human from you. We learn what it is to love from you. And so I just ask, Lord, that you would help us to be more attuned to your voice. Would we have deeper relationships with you because we're hopeless to ever become everything you've ever desired for us if we're not rooted and built up in you? Help us to know you as our friend today. And Lord, for those that are just feeling lonely in this room right now, I just ask that your presence would wash over them that they would feel your love in this time and in this place. Your love that doesn't judge. Your love that loves regardless of what we've done. Not that you don't have expectations beyond that, but you always want to be with us. Would people feel that love this morning? And Lord, as we leave this place, would you help us to know more of what it is to follow Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. So a few instructions for you this morning as we wrap up. And so we're going to have our VBS celebration in the gym. So don't go through these side doors. If I see anyone going through there, I'm going to tackle them. Okay, now really? But just don't go through those. So we want everyone to go out through the lobby and through the L, so down on my right, your left, when you go out, and then through the kids' area, pick up your kids, and then go to the VBS celebration, okay? So all that being said, glad to have you here today. I'm glad to see you in there. I'm glad to see my brother Christian get slimed because that's, that's what good friends do. They celebrate it. The other's downfalls, right? No. I still love him. <laughs> so... Um, but let's stand and receive this blessing as we, as we head out today and celebrate. May the Lord bless you with the person to help you, him never say over you ever again, it's not good for you to be alone. You're sent out.